0: Good morning. Good morning yeah. Grace and peace to you be from God, our rock, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. All right, we're awake today. I like this. I really dislike moving. The sorting, the packing, lifting, the driving, the lifting, the unpacking, the organizing, the decorating. I'm not a fan of any of it. I have moved five times in the past five years, and even as I talk to you today, I am preparing to move yet again in a few short months for my internship year in Ohio. Don't worry, I'm not leaving just yet. Just as I start to feel comfortable, though, in the city, it's seemingly always time to prepare for the next big move, the next big transition into something else. Moving is just something that we have to do in life, it seems. We move because we go off to college, or we're starting a new job, or maybe we're moving to start a family, or we need even more space for our family, or maybe we move because our kids are all grown up and we just don't need all that space anymore, or we move because we need a community that can fit our everyday needs. In the midst of a move or a change in life, we can find ourselves torn. Sitting on this bridge of transition, deciding whether to stay close to where we feel comfortable or to cross to the other side. Fully immersing ourselves in this newness of a situation that is ahead of us. The water is rushing below us with each end of the bridge beckoning. And there is an opportunity to turn back. We cannot take that job We could stick it out one more year, but there's also a chance to move forward. But as we know, that's not always as easy as it sounds. Less than two years ago, I was preparing to move to Philadelphia, a scary new city. This was to pursue my call to ordain ministry and attend seminary. I was leaving a city that I grew to love, Buffalo, New York, I was leaving friends and colleagues who I, would, who had, I had grown with for th- over three years and a full-time position that was offered to me in the private sector. I had a life in Buffalo, but it was time, it was time to cross that bridge and transition into the new, a new situation that was full of the unknown and the unpredictable. On this bridge of transition is where we find Mary in today's gospel— as she and her sister Martha welcome Jesus and some of the disciples into their home for dinner. This is the supper before the Last Supper. It is a scene where Jesus and the disciples sit with Lazarus. Lazarus, who we know was dead only a chapter before in a tomb, now is sitting at the dinner table alive and well. It is then no wonder we find Both Mary and Martha serving their Lord using their God-given gifts. The same gifts that they use in the Gospel of Luke. Martha, her hard work, and Mary uh, tentatively sitting at Jesus' feet. But this time, Mary isn't just listening, but anointing Jesus. Pouring expensive, exotic perfume on his feet and rubbing it in with her hair. This very personal very intimate moment, we are told, is in order to anoint Jesus for his burial. Mary is sitting at the feet of her friend and her Lord, who raised her brother from the dead, preparing him for his inevitable execution. She is in transition between having Jesus in front of her, where she can sit and learn from him, where she can call on Jesus if anything else happens to her family, to instead no longer having Jesus with her. Mary is challenged in this moment whether to stay on the side of the water has been on or to begin walking that bridge, accepting that things are going to change and preparing for that change by anointing Jesus for his death. To do so, Mary pulls not from the bottom shelf but instead chooses some high-quality stuff to anoint Jesus with. Not only that, but she filled the house with fragrance using an entire pound of the perfume, which I can imagine filling the nostrils of everyone in the house. And that was not something that could easily be ignored. This is the equivalent of using an entire can of Axe body spray and not expecting anyone to be mad about it. But it wasn't the smell that upset Judas. It was the cost of this extraordinary, gravigant showing. Judas questions Mary's decision to waste all this perfume that could have been used uh, to then be sold uh, to give money to the poor, 300 denarii to be exact, which is a full year's wages for a field worker. Today, that is the equivalent to a full year's wages for a minimum wage worker who is straddling the poverty line about $12,000. That is no small sum of money to be able to give to the poor. And so Judas freaks out when he sees Mary wasting all of this valuable that could have been used for good works in his community. The author of John puts in his own interpretation of what this means. He explains, he, Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal it, what, he used to steal what was put in it. While we can agree Judas isn't the winner of the award for the best disciple, I'm not convinced that this outcry was totally sinister. As a disciple, Jesus saw something in Judas. Judas. He trusted Judas to carry the money bag, to handle the donations, and yet Judas is only a thief? I'm not convinced. But instead, I think in this situation, he is really looking to get the biggest return on investment for this perfume. And dumping it on Jesus' feet was counter to his ministry plan. Jesus and Judas didn't see eye to eye in this moment. And Jesus shuts his argument down, telling him to to leave Mary alone. We have two disciples, Mary and Judas, two visions of how to serve God's ministry. One by anointing God's son for his own funeral. The other by feeding and clothing the poor and the naked. Both Mary and Judas are servants of Jesus, but are at different levels of accepting what is to come. Judas is content with the status quo of feeding the hungry and clothing the naked, but Mary Mary is looking towards Jesus' death, forward, ahead, ultimately to his resurrection. She sits in transition, preparing for what is yet to come. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. On the other side of the resurrection, we can sit here judging Judas for his greed we're assuring Mary that it will be okay. But in that moment, both followers of Jesus are looking into the unknown. But we know. We know now at the end of this Lenten season that Jesus will enter Jerusalem, that he will be handed over, he will be tried, he will be beaten, he will be crucified, die, and he will rise again. We know that Jesus will too undergo a transition from the Jesus that is sitting right in front of Mary to the risen Christ, redeeming all of our sins in this process. We know this, but we still stand on the bridge wondering what is on the other side. As much as I dislike moving, it is always worth it when I get to sit on my, my, in my apartment and embrace where I am. Finally. Finally. Parker J. Palmer, in his Let Your Life Speak, listening for the voice of vocation, writes, As often happens in this spiritual journey, we have arrived at the heart of a paradox. Each time a door closes, the rest of the world opens up. All we need to do is stop pounding on this door that just closed. Turn around, which puts the door behind us and welcomes the largeness of life that now lies open to our souls. The door that, cl- that closed kept us from entering a room. But what now lies before us is the rest of reality. We are at times forced to turn around and face reality, and that can be unsettling. Whether it's the loss of a loved one causing us grief, discerning our, pu- our purpose causing us anxiety or a new phase in life causing us angst. We stare across this bridge into what is ahead of us with our hearts pounding in our chests and that is where God shows up. In this unexpected place where we feel the most out of our element, this is where God shows up. Just as God showed up unexpectedly nailed to a wooden cross. Christ is is with us during these transitions, standing on the bridge with us and letting us sit at his feet as we prepare for what is yet to come. It's a scary thing to embrace change, to start something new. But know that through all things, grief, anxiety, angst, and joy, Christ is with you. Amen.